Good morning. Good morning. Awesome. Okay, so like my brother Ken said, I'm uh, here with you this morning, and uh, and we have been trekking through Psalm 119 every second Sunday, and uh, we started that with my brother Dan. And so here we are just continuing that. And so this, this week, we're going to be in passage 81 through 88. So I titled this message, Hope in God's Word. So that's what this is going to be about. And so as I began to look at the words and look at this passage, just kind of getting familiar with it, I, I looked and I'm looking at it and I thought, okay, this is a very sobering passage this year. And it reminded me a lot of Pastor James when he went through his stanza. It was a, a lot about affliction, right? And so as I'm reading through, I was like, this is almost as if he was being afflicted and that affliction didn't stop, it just continued. And so this is kind of after, after being continued being uh, afflicted, almost where this is born out of. And so... Um, this passage, um, David seems to be at the end of his rope, right? He's been in a storm, and he's kind of come to the point where this storm is greater than his ability, okay, if you will. He's, um, he's in a, a situation where he feels like, okay, this is a mountain, a daunting mountain. Okay, so... I'm gonna, uh, and we're also going to look at a couple, couple other characters in the Bible who have had situations similar to what David is going through, similar to what the psalmist is feeling. They can identify with what some of those troubles. And so as we go through, you can hear from them also chaos, devastation, suffering, right? But in that, you can see each of these cases, they turn to, they all have one thing in common, they turn to God's word in that. And so um, my prayer this morning is that we can be encouraged by this passage and that when we're going through our times of grief or trouble, trials, um, that we know that there's nothing that God can't do. You know, going through this passage, we're going to see that. So. Before I dive in, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then uh, we'll get started, okay? Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your word that teaches us. Um, God, would you move me aside, and would you uh, speak through me that your word would be communicated effectively? Um, God, we can see clearly from your word here that there's nothing you can't do. So, and I'm excited to, uh, to share what you show me. And so, Lord, I'll pray this and do something. Amen. Okay, so, verse 81 starts out. says, My soul fainted for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. My soul fainted for thy salvation, but I hope in my word. This is like vivid imagery type type language. And so when he says my soul, the soul is perhaps like the deepest part of a person. 
like maybe the most precious part of a, of a man or a, or a person. And so he says, with everything, with my whole being, I'm longing to be saved. Please rescue me out of this situation. He says, uh, you know, please come, come save me out of this situation. And then he says, but I hope in my word. Okay, so then what does it mean to hope? So when we say hope today, you might hear someone say, I hope there's still some donuts left <laughs> at the cab. I know I've heard that from my kids. Uh, or you might hear, I hope I get the day off. Uh, I don't really want to go to this thing on Friday, right? Or I hope my football team wins. You know, it's something something casual that and I can't really mention football because <laughs> yesterday my team lost horribly and I'm still getting over that. So <laughs> bear with me. Uh, but now hope. How did the psalmist use the word hope? How, what, what was the hope that he meant when he said, but I hope in my word? See, hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised. Its strength is his faithfulness. What that means is you can rely on that hope in the midst of whatever is going on. But I hope in thy word. I want to take a look at a character who his life had completely fallen apart in one day. And if there was anybody who had a reason or a cause to lose hope, it was Job. So if you will, turn with me. We're going to be flipping to a couple of different so just be ready. We're going to go to Job chapter 1, verses 14 through 19, and I'm just going to read this to you. 14, he says, And there came a messenger unto Job, and said, The oxen were plowing, and the asses feeding beside them, and the Satan fell upon them, and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only have escaped along the token. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven, and hath burned up the sheep and the servants, and consumed them, consumed them and I only have escaped along the television. 17. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, and fell, uh, and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels, and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. I only have escaped along the television. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and my daughter were eating and drinking while wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness, and it smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only escaped alone to tell you. Whoa. We're going to talk about devastation. Um, in the valley. Is there another word for it? Because that's just everything, complete loss, everything, right? So the initial reaction, verse 20, then Job arose and rested his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground. But Job felt hopeless. There's 
there's uh, no doubt that he was going through it. And even after this, in the very next chapter, he uh, he gets boils from the bottom of his feet all the way to the crown of his head. So he not only had everything taken within his health as well. So Job says, my days are swifter than a legal shuttle and I'm spent without hope. Verse 7, oh, remember that my life is when my eyes shall see no more good. In his mind, it's lit. Chop me up. I'm done. Uh, verse 17, 15, in Job still. And where now is my hope? As for hope, who shall see it? Okay? So, there's a point in our trials and our challenges and whatever comes up against us where we feel just completely like that's it. And I think it's interesting that, you know, way back when, Job was honestly one of the you know, first books written in the Bible, every people group has experienced a devastation that they just insurmountable. But God, throughout all of history, has always been able to, look, I got you. I got you. No matter what. Okay, so I took a quote out of a book of written about Job um, from a pastor, uh, Jeff Adams. He says, even someone who has failed can have hope. What a terrible thing to be without hope. Nothing to cling to. No expectation. Only the lost man in hell is totally without hope. See, for those of us that have put our faith in Jesus, we have a hope in Christ. First um, Timothy 1 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, on the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Titus 2 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus is our hope. So I want to uh, follow up with Job because that's not where the story ended for Job. Job is a really good book, and I hate to be a spoiler alert, but I'm going to 42, so I'm going to go to the end of the book just so that you guys can know that number one, his wife was telling him, curse God and die throughout the book of Job. And he never did so. So Job, in verse 14, verse 10, God restored everything that Job had and more. God was free to He says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So God can give and God can take away. Just looking for your heart to see where you're at. Okay, so I'm going to keep going here. So back to our passage in verse, uh, oh, sorry. Do you reach, excuse me, my key point here was do you reach for God's word when you're in the valley? Okay, so <clears throat> when you're faced with adversity, what's the first thing that you do? What's your plan? A small group say, Hey, hey, pray for me. Say, Okay, good. Now I can go down the 
Well, if you don't, I would like to challenge you, brother or sister, to take a moment and get with God and just read his word. Okay, so verse 82, my eyes fail for thy word, saying, when will thou comfort me? For I am become like a bottle in the smoke. Yet do I not forget thy statutes. So here the psalmist is describing a state of being greatly afflicted. He begs God for comfort. Because my eyes fail for thy word, saying, When will thou comfort me? Please, Lord, come and comfort me. You begging him. Okay, then he likens his situation to a bottle in the smoke. Now, you might be saying to yourself, does he mean by bottle in the smoke? What does that mean? That's exactly what I say when I write it. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard a lot of figures of speech. I have not quite heard this one. So, I did do some research and dig a little bit just to find out more about this bottle of smoke. Okay, so Charles Spurgeon wrote uh, this about that. He says, a bottle of smoke is essentially oriental. We must therefore go east for its explanation. This doubtless refers to a leathern bottle of goat skin. The peasantry of Asia keep many articles, both dry and liquid, in such bottles, the which, for security, are suspended from the roof or hung against the walls from their humble dwelling. They would light fires for warmth, and the smoke from the fire would billow out throughout their, their humble dwelling, and then they would come out because they didn't have chimneys. So basically, the smoke from those fires would turn these bottles black. Uh, and if they didn't have anything in them, they would shrivel up. So he says, well, I've become like a bottle in the smoke. Yet do I not forget that statue. Okay, so we can assume that he is in the fire, like in the trials, going through the storm. Okay, so what can we take from that? Well, there's one thing. God is going to let you feel the heat. God is going to let you be in that trial because we are promised trial. That's one thing that we are sure to get. Okay, so let's go to 1 Peter 4 12. Says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you get uh, as though some strange thing happened. God, we are going to face trials. We know that. But yet, whenever we come out of the trial, sometimes we feel like, good, good thing, that's done. Now, on to my life. On my happy life, I'm good. We're good to go. Only to maybe come up against something else that is even worse than before. <laughs> I mean, with trials is what we're going to have, okay? So we are sure to have trials. Uh, but most importantly, we cannot forget God's statutes, okay? And we should be meditating on that, sharing it with the person that's maybe next to us, in a cubicle next to us, or... Our kids, right? Many times, our kids are the ones that we are teaching, training. That's our mission field. Okay? So, 
we got to remember our statutes when we're up against. So my key point here, because it says do not forget God's statutes, is we have to be aware of the things that causes us to forget God's statutes. So because we live in a day and age where there are distractions, all kinds of distractions, whether it be games, media, all kinds of distractions, it pulls us away from God's statutes. And so here the psalmist says, I'm like a bottle of smoke. I'm in this trial. But he's still able to remember and recall God's statutes throughout. Um, okay, so then verse 84, how many are the days of thy servant? When wilt thou uh, execute judgment on them that persecute me? How many are the days of thy servant? So he's saying, how many, uh, how many days do I have left? I have but a few days left. I don't want all of them to be spent being miserable. Uh, let the days of my trouble be shortened. Okay. Notice that he doesn't ask for power to avenge himself and, to, and that he does ask for God to be his defender. He could easily been like, and trying to empower himself, but he sees, he knows where, um, where the powers come from, the power source. God wants, he wants God to be his defender. Okay? And so this verse, uh, you know, is a great reminder of two things. Judgment is reserved for God. He doesn't try to take this into his own hands. So, judgment, uh, so Romans 12, 19 uh, says here, uh, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place under wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. So we have to trust that whenever we are put in a situation where we have the opportunity to strike back. You might be able to take that into your own hands, but let's look at what David did. So you guys know the story of David. It's a, a, an amazing story. And so David, being young, was hated by King Saul. He was envious, jealous of him. He wanted to kill him. So many times he was pursuing David to kill him. And David had the opportunity to take Saul's life. Okay, so let's look in 1 Samuel 24. And I have it here, uh, chapters 24, 4 through 6. Okay, so then the men of David said unto him, Behold the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily, and it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. So he gets up, his, first of all, his friend is like, hey, look, God said that he's going to look here. You have the opportunity right here. He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, Ooh, cut this off. Immediately, he was like, oh, wait a minute. God was like, wait, oh, no, wait a minute. And so he says, and he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, Lord's anointed, to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing 
his anointing of the Lord. Wait a minute, just because Saul may not be doing the right thing, but is it really on David to make that call? Is it, is it really him that's supposed to be doing that? And then again, another opportunity. This is a separate time, 1 Samuel 26, verse 9. There's another opportunity where Saul is in a situation that David could easily have just had him killed. So look, it says 26, verse 9. And David said unto Abishai, destroy him not. Who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? And we have to trust God and let him do that. And so David chooses to spare Saul's life on multiple occasions. All right, so verse 85, the proud have dig pits for me, which are not after thy law. The proud have dig pits for me, which are not after thy law. So David knew the law, because in order to say that they're not after thy law, you got to be in the word. You got to know the word. And so what he was referring to is Exodus 21, verses 34, 33, 34 says, And if a man shall open a pit, or if a man shall dig a pit, and not cover it, and an ox or an ass shall fall therein, the owner of the pit shall make it good and give money unto the owner, and the dead beast shall be his. David knew the law. He was like, wait a minute. God, he's, uh, he's not doing this according to my law. So that's smart. If you... If you want to have God on your side, pray God's word back to him. And he, he's going to say, oh, that, doesn't, that is what my, law, my, law, my word says. Okay? It's impossible for God to lie. God's going to uphold you if you know the law, like David did here. So we have to do likewise. We have to know the law. The word should be on our hearts, should be on our minds. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready to always give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. We have to be ready to give an answer. We should know the law once you did. Verses 86 says, All thy commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help thou me. Here the psalmist or David acknowledges the truth of God's word through his persecution. So despite being persecuted, all thy commandments are faithful. Interesting enough, this is the only place in the Bible that this phrase, all thy commandments are faithful. So, you know, true religion, if it be worth anything, is worth everything. God, God's word, if you truly believe it, in your word, then that's worth giving anything for. And so the end of this, he says, help thou me. You know, that's simple yet powerful. It's one of those prayers that you just say when you're in the thick of whatever you're going to do. Lord, please help me. And God looking at our heart. You know, I love that song uh, right now. That song, Token Act, uh, Help is on the way. <laughs> My kids are now receiving this song, Help is on the way. But it is, it is really encouraging because it's true. When you, when you pray something like that and you are in that desperate place, 
that I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm telling my wife that I got this, but I really don't know what I'm going to do. And I need you to come through. Just know that help us on the way, that God heard you, that that came through, right? So let's look at another character who was really in, uh, in a pit-like situation. Uh, turn to Jonah. Okay, and so I'm going to summarize. Jonah's a really short book in the Bible, but I'm going to summarize what happened. Jonah decides to go the other way from where God is asking him to go. He is on boat. Storm comes, and the people toss him overboard per his request. Throw me overboard. He is then swallowed by a giant fish, and so this prayer that I'm. Uh, this prayer here is from the belly of the fish. Jonah cries out. Okay, so Jonah 2 2 says, and said, I cried out by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. So underwater, way down where you think that nobody can hear you. He, he couldn't have been saying it loud. Maybe he was just whispering to himself, but it came all the way to heaven. So guys, we just have to understand that God hears us when we're in agony, when we're in our challenges and our trenches. Maybe you can you just can barely utter a prayer. Says so, um I went down to the bottoms of the mountains, the earth with her bars of the mountain forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption. Oh my oh Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. That really blows me away, just that no matter where we're at on this earth, you're not, you're not too far from God. So verses 80, so now going back to verse 87, so they had almost consumed me upon earth, but I forsook not thy precepts. Despite being broken down and losing everything, David is willing to keep God's word. He's not going to give up God's word no matter what they take from him, no matter if they end up taking him out. He says, they almost consumed me upon earth, but I forsook not thy precepts. Okay, verse 88 Says, quicken me after thy loving kindness, so shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. Quicken. That word quicken means to make alive or revive. Revive me after thy loving kindness, so shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. He's saying, Lord, please help me to keep thy testimony, to keep your word, that I can keep it. See, it's the grace of God that we depend on, not our flesh. Because I, I think a lot of times when we, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to try harder today to do what it is that God has asked me to do, only to fall back on our face. <laughs> and maybe that's just me. Uh, but God, it has to be. And that's what David was saying here. Quicken me after thy love and kindness, so shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. So Philippians. 2.13 uh, 
and really a second Corinthians 9 and 8 that I was going to read to you. Um, so let me get that. Second Corinthians 9 verse 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always have an all-sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Key point here, number three, is our desire must first be to keep God's word, then ask for him to quicken us. You know that you know what it is that the source that we are supposed to go to, but it may not be that you always want to do that. So you have to check your heart because your, your heart may have grown cold to God's word. Yeah, I know that that's what I'm supposed to do, but right now, I just want to sit where I'm at. Sometimes you do. And we all have felt that in a situation where sometimes you're just tired of being tired, tired of being in a, a situation that you're in. So quicken me. Quicken me after that loving kindness. Then I can keep the testimony of that now. With our kids, I, I got two little ones and I love them so much, but I am talking until I'm blue in the face, seemingly the same things over and over again. And so part of it is they have to want to do what it is that I'm telling them to do. And, uh, and so, you know, that's part of, a, you know, that's just part of being in uh, a parent and got these different uh, challenges and trials that you have to just continue to pray for God's strength to help you. So just to summarize these points and to kind of keep it consolidated here, I just want to go back to uh, some of these. And so, you know, point number one, I just was saying, remember to read for God's word in times of trouble when we're in the valley. Be mindful that he wants to comfort you because part of you might feel like, well, I'm here because I put me here. So this is where this is where I'm at. No, he wants to comfort you always. Okay. And key point number two, push past the many distractions in our lives. Uh, there's a distraction for as many as you can come up with, they are there today in 2021 with social media. And I could just be here all day, just listen to distractions. Uh, but, but just push past those and sit at his feet. And, and you know, when I was a kid, one of my favorite songs was How to Love Talk with Jesus. You guys may not have heard this song, but it, it comes to you. You know what? Sing this song and remind you. As a kid, because it was have a little talk with Jesus, it just felt like I could just, that he would listen to even me. And I'm eight, 10 years old. Guys, let us not ever feel like we can't sit at Jesus' feet and just tell him what it is that we're called. Um, remember God's statutes, cling to them, and keep key point number three do you desire to keep God's word? Check your heart. Ask God to quicken you, revive you after his loving kindness, that your joy may be full. 
one of the one of the things that I really enjoyed when I was going through just kind of looking at David's life is towards the very end of his life, he spends a whole chapter just praising God for all that he's done, for being his defender, his shield, his rock. And this is after being chased by his son who's trying to take his, you know, his uh, throne, uh, you know, being the king. And it didn't end well for his son, but that's because he was prideful. But even still, no matter what, what was going on, David found in his heart to be full of joy and just be loving, uh, loving God, just thank God. And um, I think that was one thing that just stood out to me. I was, uh, as I was looking over David's life. And so um, I know I'm running a little short here, but I'm, I'm coming to a close this morning, but I wanted to just put that um, on your hearts this morning, just to, to keep God's word close 